Hello, and welcome to Doing the Work with Jay and Becca. Today's episode has a little bit of a funny start because we sort of just jumped right into it. It was an interview situation where we're interviewing an amazing woman named Shelly Varela, and Jay and her are friends, and we got to talking, and I just so happened to be recording the whole time, so it worked out perfectly that we sort of just started chatting, and here we go. We've got the interview for you today. Shelly is an incredible human being, and I can't wait for you guys all to meet her and learn more about the work that she has done. And so let's get started. The contest is to win $50,000 to implement your big idea. And uh, I just made it to the top 20 from, uh, I don't know how many applicants, but up to 3,000, it could have been. Nice. Um, And so they're taking five... Thanks. They're taking five to the finals, and then the the finalists get two minutes to pitch on stage. Shelly, that's fantastic. (laughs) So what's the big idea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I called $10,000, goes to uh, another person in the top ten, but it will be chosen by a celebrity. So I'm thinking like Pink and Ellen. And then the 30000 remaining is basically the machine that runs that runs the world-class team of online marketers that create not just not just this yeah. contest, but they c- were creating a movement and a community for underdogs, freaks, and misfits who are the innovators that will change the world, a place where they can feel normal. Yay! I love that. <laughs> love yeah, it. that's fantastic. That is perfect. Yeah, so we'll all keep our fingers crossed for you. Thank you. Affirm all good things. That's fantastic. Either way, it's great experience and yeah. great, you know, great opportunity for, sure. for you. For yeah, sure, yeah. That's really exciting. Well, cool, cool. Well, um, we're always, you know, recording, so, so let's just jump in there. Yeah. Um, Becca, yeah. did you want to do you do you want to bring us in, or do we want do we care? Do we just want to let's just start talk. talking? Let's what do you want to do? Talk. All right, yeah. cool. Let's do it. All right, so um, Shelly, is it Varela? Is that how you pronounce your last name? Yep, Varela. Shelly Varela. Okay, so everyone, all of our listeners, I want you to meet Shelly Varela, who is my friend and someone that is I met at when in Colorado when we did a speaking. Uh, if you remember, I went to Colorado and I threw my hat in the ring in this speaking contest, and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which, which you crushed, by the way. I did pretty well, but um, it's funny. I tell the story. When I tell the story, I talk about the people who went before me. And I'm telling you, I was so moved by these people, and they were so great and so powerful. But by the time I stepped on stage, I was just like, it was one of those times where I could just do whatever, because, you know, I was just, wow, oh, this is amazing! <laughs> and um, <laughs> Shelly was one of the one of the people that went before me, and I got third place, and Shelly got second place, and there's another guy named Joe Beckman that got first place. Um, so Shelly's an amazing speaker. Are you a coach as well? I am a coach, yes. I thought so. I thought so. And you're a firefighter. And I'm a firefighter. So I'm kind of author, uh, TEDx speaker, coach. Uh, yeah, well, a little and, a little from column A, a little from column B. You yeah, know. so I just want to shut up and let you tell your story. And <laughs> tell, us, tell us about what you're up to and um, all the powerful things. I wanted all of our listeners to meet you because you're a powerful woman and you're taking on powerful things in your life. And I just wanted us to be able to support you and join you in whatever, you, um, you know, whatever you're up to. So please share awesome. with us. So where where would you like me to start? You t- I'm just giving you a state, so you go. Okay, sweet. <laughs> so so um I so I fight fires for a living, but what I actually am is what I call a possibility hacker. 
And, um, and so my story began when I was about eight years old. So I was one of those kids that was deeply, deeply introverted. I was the kid that was beaten, bullied, berated. Um, I was just a, a, a misfit, a geek, a freak, just very deep thinking, you know, lonely kid. Um, and for whatever reason, wherever we went, uh, we moved a couple times and wherever we moved to, I was always the kid that people didn't like. And I was always the kid that got beaten up. And I, I just remember thinking like, why is it always me? What's wrong with me? And so during, they were, they were not fun times for me, but during that period of time, I would, uh, I had developed this ultra, ultra vivid imagination. Mm. And it was what I used not only to cope, but to survive. And so I, I developed the ability to viscerally picture myself somewhere else and someone else. And it's funny how when you look back, uh, not all gifts come wrapped in a bow. Mm. Sometimes the best gifts come getting your butt kicked in a schoolyard. Because as I transitioned from that eight-year-old girl to finishing high school, not a whole ton had changed. I, you know, like my factor didn't rocket. <laughs> I was not, not the popular kid. But I, I, at that point, had identified myself as an artist. So I did special effects makeup and writing and drawing and painting. And, and I was good at it and I enjoyed it. So the world called me an artist and I called myself an artist as well. So that's who I thought I was. Mm. To the end of high school, um, I was really, really anxious because I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And everybody else seemed to have their paths figured out. They knew, you know, their schools, how many kids they'd have, all that kind of stuff. And the more I would try and, you know, cram what I thought could be my path into a bottle, the more anxious I got because it just didn't seem to fit. Yeah. So I had this chance meeting one day with a family friend and, um, I had time to kill because I was not really rocking at life, <laughs> not having fun. And so I'd go hang out with him and he was, uh, he was a Toronto firefighter and he would tell me these stories of the like rescues and fires. And, and I just remember think like, dude, this is your job. Like, this is what you get to do every single day. Yeah. And, uh, I was just obsessed with these stories and just, I would hang off his every word and I would show up day after day, week after week, and then eventually month after month. And what happened was he ran out of stories. So he started teaching me mm. and he would teach me about the technical part of the job. And it was weird because in my mind, my identity was I'm an artist. Yeah. Um, but what I didn't realize because of that, because I was always barking up that tree, the artist tree, was that I had a very natural mechanical aptitude. I was quite gifted at it, actually. And, and I would pick up everything he was saying. And I was just like, this is amazing. So if the stories weren't cool enough, the stories plus understanding how the back end of that job works was just, it was mind-blowing to me. And I remember... Um, you know, we would just, we would talk for hours and hours about it. And this one particular day, I asked him a question that I knew the answer to, but I was very shy. And I, w I didn't want to embarrass myself by being wrong. So instead of telling him what I knew it was, I asked him what it was. And when he answered me, he gave me the wrong answer. And Ooh. so I corrected him. <gasps> and and, and we've, been, we've been having these tutoring sessions for probably six months at this time. And he turned to me and he's like, Shelly, why don't you just apply? But this is 27 yeah. years ago. 
So there were no female firefighters. And I just said to him, dude, like, I'm not big enough, brave enough, smart enough, strong enough. And there's no, there are no girls in firefighting. And you know when you're kind of, you look somebody square in the eye and you can tell if they're lying to you? He didn't miss a beat. He, he just looked me square in the eye and said, there's going to be a girl one day. Why would it be you? And at this point, I just was obsessed with this man. Like, I just was, like, I, I just, I believed everything he said. He was like my mentor, and I hung off his every word. And so when I went home that night, uh, those words didn't sink in at that time. But I went home, and I remember lying in my bed looking at my stippled ceiling. And I said three words that changed literally the rest of my life. And when I heard myself say, why not me? Everything literally changed in that moment. In that moment, I didn't care what it cost in blood, sweat, money, time, or tears. I was going to be a firefighter. If I didn't get hired when I did, I would still be trying. Quitting wasn't an option. Losing wasn't an option. So I started chipping away at it. And um, I didn't have any relatable skills, like, like nothing. Uh, and I was 108 pounds. And so I thought to myself, even if I had all of the skills I needed, none of them would matter unless I was physically able to, to perform the tasks of doing the job. So trying the physical seemed like the logical place to start. So I went there and I got my ass handed to me. It was, it was eight different kinds of bad. I kind of, I rocked in there. I rocked in there and I'm thinking, oh, I run 10 kilometers a day. It's going to be tough, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to suffer through it. <laughs> no, no <laughs> that is not even kind of what happened. Uh, so when, when I walked out of the physical, I was devastated because it was the first time that I had allowed myself permission to actually dream of something. And I felt like it was mine and it got ripped from me because I realized there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. There's no way it's way too much. So in that same bed, looking up at that same white stippled ceiling, uh, I had a pity party for about two days and I lied in bed and, you know, poor me and, you know, snotty Kleenexes and sobbing tears and, <laughs> Yeah. On the third day, though, on the third day, I got pissed off, and that was yeah. the pinnacle. That was the changing point. So I called the university back and I said, "Yeah, guys, you know what? I'm going to need the specs, the specs for that entire physical. I need to know the heights, weights, distances of everything that needs to be pushed, pulled, lifted, all of it." And I built it in my, my backyard, and I failed at that thing day after day after day. My hands bled. There was blood, puke, tears, all of it. Um, but one day, I was able to do it. Not for time, and not pretty to watch, but I was able to do it. And I knew that if I could do it, it was just a matter of getting quicker at it. So all the while, I'm, I'm bulking up my education. I'm learning about driving trucks and first aid and CPR and pump pressure, friction losses and rescue techniques. And 1,162 days after that, after that initial conversation, I got the, the call saying, you know, Shelly Varela, we'd like to welcome you aboard as our city's first female firefighter. Wow. Oh my gosh, I've got goosebumps all over my body you know, I, right I, now. I'm over here That's crying. Amazing. I can't stop tears. Yeah. Oh my God, such a great story. Oh my but the, gosh. But the point is, like, I'm actually the world's most unlikely firefighter. Like, there's nothing about me that was in the, in the beginning, like, easy or natural. I was, you know, I didn't have any skills. And so... I knew that if I could create that kind of transformation for myself, 
that I could create the same transformation for other people. And I remember for the first decade and a half, people would still ask me about my journey as much then as they did the first day I got hired. And I was really irritated because I'm thinking, why are these people in my business? Like, you don't even know me. Leave me alone. I'm just doing my thing. And I remember being a little crotchety about it. <laughs> but, but I had this moment where I realized they're not asking me because they care about Shelley Varela and Shelley Varela's story. They're asking me because they see themselves in my story. And when I realized that, something switched. And I thought, oh, it's my responsibility to figure out what I've done and show people how to replicate it. Because I'm obsessed with this question. And the question is, if you could do anything, like anything at all, forget about logic, what would you do? And the yeah. sad truth is people answer that question by looking at their current set of skills, knowledge, or experience, and then try to think the job that sucks the least. And I say, but that's not what I asked you. And so we have an epidemic of, I don't even want to say mediocrity because it's not, not like people are mediocre. It's just people, and when you leave with logic, you will, your brain will always find evidence of what you're looking for. So if you lead with logic, you're going to find thousands of examples why it's not possible, it's not probable, it hasn't been done before. Your brain has something inside it called the reticular activating system. And basically, you find what you focus on. And because we have billions of pieces of, of information coming at us at all times, your brain sorts what is relevant for me right now. So basically, you right. give it March instructions, and it goes out and finds proof of those things. Yeah. And so my job, like I said to the fire chief recently, I said, at the end of my days, being a firefighter will for sure be the thing I'm most proud of. It will not be the thing I'm most known for because I feel like my purpose, my purpose is to help people find theirs. Yeah. Right on. That's fantastic, Shelley. Thanks. You know, when we talk about the reticular activating system and we also, you know, what I, what I heard you say was instead of leading with logic to be able to find something else, find something possible. I mean, what happened is you got all of a sudden your anger spurred you into, I can actually, I mean, there was some, something became possible that wasn't possible before. Right. And as a trans person, something along with the line with, you know, freaks and geeks, I have a friend right now who is transitioning. I've known this friend, I don't know, five years. And from the very first time I ever met this person, I thought, oh, that seems like a trans guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> But, and, and I didn't realize it, that he all along had thought about that, but it just wasn't possible for him. And mm. then becoming friends with me and like, you know, there's just stuff that becomes possible. Like, it's weird how when you want something, if you surround, start surrounding yourself with those things, again, their ticket activating system comes in and then all of a sudden things become possible that weren't possible before. Mm -hmm. And yes. I have tons of examples around that. Yours is one of the best because you all don't know this woman, but I do. She's not big. I mean, she, she wasn't kidding. No, she says she's 108 pounds. She's like, how tall are you? I'm 5'2". I'm yeah, she's 5'2", 100. I mean, she's that soaking wet. She's not yeah, big. I'm, I'm a little, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, it's funny because when you find different ways to think uh, about things and, you know, like getting back to you find what you focus on in the reticular right. activating system. So I, I basically was the first girl. I was the only girl for five years. And you can imagine I got hired. Uh, it'll be 25 
oh, wow, I'm going into my 25th year in two weeks. Oh, wow. When I walked in, it's a very, very different climate. Like, it's old school boys and, you know, like a boys club and all that kind of stuff. And I remember this particular day I walked in uh, to start my shift. And so it's shift change. So the, the shift that is finishing is having coffee before they go home. And our shift is coming in. So there's twice as many people as there normally is during the day. And I'm in the room just off the kitchen. And I've been on the job like a couple months, not long at all. And I'm over here, the guys in the kitchen, and it sounds like some Lord of the Flies stuff going on. Like it is, it's getting elevated quick and I'm the topic of conversation. Okay. So it's, hmm. it's, it's not a good time. No. So I, I hear them yeah. saying, oh, you know, she just got hired because she slept with, well, those weren't their exact words, but you get the idea. Oh yeah. I heard she yeah. can't even lift the ladder. Oh yeah. She sucks. She's this, that, and the other. And it's, and it was getting elevated. It was like rabid and I'm 24 years old. And I'm standing in the room. They can't see me. They don't know that I can hear them. And I'm literally frozen in my tracks. And I'm thinking, do I go in and say something? Because uh, I'm 20. Like, I'm shy. I'm a kid. Or do I just pretend like I didn't hear any of it? And uh, right then, over all of their voices, I hear this guy. And his voice is familiar. And he interrupts them. And he says, um, have any of you guys actually worked with her? And so they assumed that he was going to jump on the pile as well. And they're like, well, no, but, you know, yeah, we heard that she sucks and she's whatever. And he says, no, I'm just, I'm asking you because she's on my crew and I literally work with her every day. And everything you guys just said is bullshit. All of it. Nice. And it was interesting to hear the reaction in the room because you could hear a pin drop. And then all of these armchair snipers and spineless bullies, um, you could almost hear the backup beeper. They're all retracting what they said and they don't want to stand for or put a flag in the sand or own anything they just said because they're in the comfort right. of each other's company. And then I hear them say, oh, you, oh, you know, no, no. I, it's, I'm not saying that I think that. I haven't worked with her. But it was, it was interesting to hear that conversation. Shortly thereafter, um, they're like, she's too small to do the job. You know, she can't lift a ladder. All this stuff's being said. Two weeks later, we get a call for a motor vehicle collision in it, on the highway in between east and westbound traffic. And in between eastbound and westbound traffic, there's like a grassy culvert that kind of dips down. And there's a car upside down on its roof. And the roof is crushed down. And there's a girl inside and she's trapped and she's hurt pretty bad. And as per protocol, we make sure that the area is safe. And the next thing we do is stabilize the vehicle before we start moving any metal. We have to do that, right? Um, but we're trying to, to gain patient contact and we can't because the, the voids where the windows are on the side are now crushed down to like seven inches. And I said to my captain, I said, I think I can slide in the back seat there. Do you want me to try? And it was, it was one of those really challenging extrications. And he said, well, if you think you can get in, you know, give it a try. So I take my helmet off and I slide in through the back window and I was able to, with the help of the guys on the outside of the car, package her up lower her down to the roof, which was basically like the ground because the car was upside down and slide her out the back window. But we weren't able, because it turns out she had a broken neck and, and, and it was paramount that we stabilized her spine and lowered her gently and stuff. And there, and you know, the thing that everybody was saying was my curse was my gift that day. Yeah. And so, mm. so I always, the gift of adversity 
because I had a district chief who, you know, I learned more life lessons from the fire hall than I ever did about firefighting. And one of the things he said to me was, firefighters are like tools in a toolbox. You don't need eight hammers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've always stuck that with me. Yeah. Well, and it gives us all an oh, opportunity yeah. to really consider what, you know, I think all of us ha have, especially because we know that we neural pattern the hell out of ourselves. So we put ourselves <laughs> in little boxes and, you know, one of the beauties of being able to do this kind of work, I think, is to take ourselves on and look at what are some of those stories that keep us small or keep us in little boxes that if we were just maybe pop open a lid of that, a whole new world could get created. My favorite question to ask, Shelly, same question. What I ask people is, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Because there's, in my world, you can't fail <laughs> if you, you know, if you take these steps, you can create anything. I don't care what it yeah. is. I really believe yeah. it. I believe that you can create yeah. anything you want for your life if you keep, if you don't quit. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. there's winning, same or, with business. winning or learning. There's yes, only winner, exactly. winning or learning. I love that. There's only yes. winning or learning. That's a great quote. Let's let the, we're going to quote you on that. In our, I'll pull that one for sure. <laughs> we'll meme that one out and, and uh, put yeah. that on Twitter because you're absolutely winning or learning that's perfect i love that yeah. i love that well, I mean, very and exciting some, sometimes like i say not all gifts come wrapped in a bow so sometimes when you have your you know you think you're going to zig and then the universe says oh actually you're going to zag for a minute but it's, yeah. it's it's always it's this or better so if it doesn't work yeah. exactly what you want right. to you're usually just, being just divinely don't. guided onto a slightly different path that would that is going to be exponentially oh. better you couldn't right. see that from your starting vantage point. You needed yes. to start the journey and then take a little jog. Yes. Yeah. One of my favorite oh, questions yeah. to ask my clients, especially after somebody I've been working with, Becca, I've done this to Becca before, where it's like, you know, she's gone through something and it never didn't work out the way it was supposed to at the time. And then after it's all over, I'll, I'll say, now can you tell me how it was divine order that it all unfolded the way it did? You know, yes. It's like, oh, yeah, because I needed to keep that job until then, or I needed to do this for my, you know, whatever it is. But it always unfolds in divine order. We just can't. It's like forest for the trees kind of thing. So yes. um, right. we uh, want to hear. So that's a fantastic story. And we love what you're up to. So tell us, like, uh, what are you up to now in terms of the, you know, what, how can we support you? And what do you want to share with us around your work with kids and um, the thing, the things you're creating for kids? I don't want yeah, to speak so to you. Yeah, no, I totally will. Um, but so, so getting back to um, realizing that people saw themselves in my story, what I did was some really, really deep soul searching. And I, and I came up with what I actually had done. And it, it boils down to two things that I call roots and wings. So, so what, I, what I found is that people usually fall into one of two categories, either the roots category, which is logical, practical, tactical, you know, kind of, you know, that kind of mindset or your wings side is your visionary, creative kind of, um, artistic abstract kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. and so what I realized was I always am, am striving to create what I now call the yes effect. And I call it the yes effect because you know, that feeling you get when you're like, hell yes. And it's, yeah. it's not just saying yeah. the words and it's not just a commitment to it, but it's actually vibrational alignment 
Absolutely. And so when I talk about a lot of people lead with logic, you actually need to lead with possibility. And leading mm. with possibility starts with creating the yes effect, which ties yeah. into that reticular activating system and making a commitment and, and knowing that there's losing in an option, failing isn't an option, you're either winning or you're learning. So yeah, what, I, what I realized is the four steps of accomplishing pretty much anything, um, and I talk about this in my course, Yes University, is um, first of all, it goes alignment, then courage, then expertise, and then community. Because if you don't have alignment, uh, so, so here's an example. When I was that 20-year-old girl and I said, I want to be a firefighter. It was true for me. I wanted to be hot in the summer, cold in the winter. I wanted to serve. I want like it was true at my core. Literally at that same time, I'm standing next to another 20 year old girl who also said, I want to be a firefighter. But underneath, if you peel back all the onion layers, she wanted it because she thought it would be cool. And oh, yeah, there's hot guys. So when the going got tough, <laughs> she she wasn't in alignment, but I was. So it's the reason that it worked out for me. And if you start as you intend to continue and you pursue the thing that is your alignment, then first of all, you'll find flow. You'll also find that when you, when you encounter challenges, that you're just so excited to get around them. It's like Einstein didn't fail, what is it, like 7,000 times. You know, he, you know yeah. he was easier either winning or you're learning. He was learning all those other times. Mm-hmm. And so right. if, you're not, if you're not in alignment, can you bully your way through it and achieve that thing? Yeah, but you're going to climb the mountain and realize when you're at the top of it, man, I'm, I just climbed the wrong mountain. So alignment is start as you intend to continue. I talk about courage, but before you can get to courage, you have to first overcome fear. And I think fear can be a really amazing tool if used properly. Um, after that, we have we have uh, expertise. So when you start as you intend, you continue. You have the thing that's true for you that, that is in alignment with where you actually want to go. You find what is standing in your way in terms of fear. You, you turn fear into rocket fuel. You create courage. Then after that, you actually have to build, build the, school, the uh, toolbox of skills, knowledge, and experience. So basically with that model, the first three, you're starting with possibility. So you're leading with logic, with alignment. And then you're getting to the core of what holds you back. So fear and courage. Then after that, you then once you're you are pursuing something that's true, then you can switch into your wing side, your logical side, where you build out that tool to the toolbox. So for me, that was okay. I need to learn how to drive a truck. I need to get my body physically ready. I need to learn about ropes and knots. I need to learn about rescue techniques. So it's okay to be in your logical mind once you you're pursuing the thing that is in alignment with you. And then the last step is community, because the truth is we don't do anything alone. And I, I remember when I was that 20-year-old girl, all my girlfriends were discovering beer and boys. And so when I – amazing, like I would love to have hung out with them and enjoyed that as well, except every time I, I spoke my dream – it seemed like it was not possible. It, w- it was absurd. It was not normal. But when I switched spending my time from with those people to the people who are also pursuing something similar, I could talk about friction loss for four hours. I could, yeah. I could tell them about the ridiculous amount of money I just spent applying to these eight departments. And they're like, well, yeah, but also don't forget, you need to spend a little more because this other department is hiring as well. Whereas if you're with the other people, they're like, you spent how much money? Um, right. So it really is kind of normalizing um, normalizing 
stepping outside of the box and taking those risks and pursuing something that somebody else can't see because it's not their vision anyway. Yeah. I love that. Brilliant. Brilliant. So if our people That's are interested amazing. in your work, you know, I'm, I'm always telling my folks, we call our podcast doing the work because we are doing all the work all the time, all the personal development work, all the spiritual development work. And we love to introduce, um, you know, I love to introduce our listeners to people like you have different approaches <laughs> and, in case they vibe with you, how can they reach you? What, uh, where can they find you? We'll list that in the show notes and all those things. So, yep, I'm everywhere online at Shelly Varela. So it's either shellyvarela.com and that's spelled S H E L L I. Last name is V is Victor A R E L A. Cool, awesome, nice. And then what's your website? My website is shellyvarela.com. Yeah, okay, okay. And you said you had a book too, right? Is there some. Didn't you say you were an author, or are you writing I wrote a book? A kids book. Uh, yeah, I uh, I wrote a children's book called Peanut Meets the Pigtailed Firefighter, and that's available on Amazon. Nice. Cool. All right. Well, my brother's a firefighter. We have a long history of firefighting in our family. My grandfather was the first oh, nice. fire chief in Sedgwick County here in Kansas. Uh, so we've got several firefighter lines. Thank and you. so I'll bless you, bless you, bless you for what you do. Um, and for doing it as a female, um, I know that I've got a 14-year-old daughter who uh, will really appreciate the fact that I met a kick-ass female firefighter um, and that that is out there and happening and you're kicking ass and taking names and, and also doing incredible work. It's funny you mentioned that I actually last uh, last week ran a junior female firefighter boot camp. So we uh, we took uh, 20 teen girls from ages 15 to 19 and we had them repelling off buildings, fighting fires, cutting apart cars. And the underlying theme was overcoming limiting beliefs. So, yeah, I mean, you can do all this cool stuff, but you need to first understand that you you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hell yeah. That is Love so that. cool. Right on. Love it. Right on. And you're in Toronto, Canada, right? Yes, I'm actually Mississauga, which is Toronto's neighbor to the west. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, thank Great. you so much awesome. for so joining can us. Find you online. Yeah, we'll find you. Find Yes University. My, my pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, for spending the time. I appreciate you guys. Absolutely. And your TED Talk is on accessible through your website as well. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, is it on my website? We're just changing things around, so it probably would be easier to find on YouTube. So if you just type my name, Shelly Varela. And TEDx or Hacking Possibility, it'll come straight up for you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. Have an awesome day.
Thank you so much for joining us again this week on Doing the Work with Jay and Becca. We appreciate you so much, and we invite you to join us at Doing the Work with Jay and Becca on Facebook. Uh, We have a great discussion group there going, or visit us at jayandbecca.com for show notes. We have uh, pullouts of links to the books and the things that we talk about. And as always, we are here for you and we want to be part of your weekly self-care. So thank you so much for listening. Stay connected and most importantly, be kind to you. Hell yeah. Thank you so much, Jay, and we'll see you next week. See you next week.